we are in the Enjoying God series, and we left with this question last week. What if our greatest delight is found in the good portion? Our portion. Your portion. That will not be taken for, from us. This is not something we have to look forward to. It's not something we have to work at. It's not something that we have to climb the mountain to. It's not something that we have to achieve. It's actually something that is with us. It's, we have it already, and we have it all the time. It cannot be taken away from us. If that is true, it really changes everything. It changes the way that we're able to enjoy with God enjoy God. And for some of us, this, this is foreign. It's just, uh, this is a whole new idea. You're like, listen, I know how to struggle with God. I know how to cry with God. I know how to cry in front of God. I know how to pray. I know how to seek. I know how to stand up with God. I know how to learn from God. But this idea of enjoying God, that's, that is a new picture. And we started with this passage, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. We went through passage after passage after passage last week, and we saw that God is calling us to delight in him, to enjoy him. It's central to this relationship that we have with him. But how do we experience this life? The great fear is this. We never learn how to delight in God. And so, therefore, we spend all of our lives seeking, working after something, always knowing there's something more there. I just can't grab a hold of it. What if it's already been given to you? What if you already have the portion It's already there, but you just never learned how to live from there. You never learned how to delight in God. And today we're going to talk about the enemy of delight. How do we interact with this? And so uh, we think that joy is found in abundance. Anytime you find something that gives you joy, you instantly go, I want more of it. I need more of it. I want more of it. How do I get more of it? And you go after more of it. And we think we need to add to, add to, add to. All right, I've got this joy, and now I need more joy. Why? Why do we do that? Because our joy is not found in our portion. Our joy is found in something that's shallow. And earthly joy always leaks. Have you ever noticed that? You're like, this is the greatest thing on earth. I don't need anything else. A month later, it leaked out. What happened to it? It's shallow. It's gone. I need more of it. More of it, which leads to uh, something that we experience on a daily basis, which is FOMO, fear of missing out. Oh my goodness, so many of us are driven by the fear of missing out. We chase and chase and chase. And sometimes we're chasing good things, sometimes not such good things. 
But it kind of has the same, the same pattern. I got to add to it. I got to add to it. I got to add to it. And it creates enormous busyness. You ever walk up to somebody and say, hey, how you doing? And they're like, I'm doing great. I just don't have much going on. Nope. We're always busy, busy, busy. Looking for just one more, one more, one more. I bet you've experienced it this summer. I bet some of you have been working through the summer. You check your phone. You check something. And you see your friend on vacation. You were having a good week. A really good week. Until you saw that picture on vacation. All the worst is when you're on vacation and you think you're having a good time and you check it and you're like, my vacation's not enough. I got to have more. I got to have their vacation. I got to have it. I'm, this is just driven that we need to add and add and add. Technology has exploded it. Every time they come up with a new technology, you know what they tell you? Now you will have more time. The opposite happens. Why? Because it leaks. And I got to have more. I have to add to it. Now, we kind of know this, but the degree of your presence will limit the degree of your enjoyment. The degree of your presence will limit the degree of your enjoyment. You know what this is like. You've planned a party, this event. Your, uh, your best friends are going to get together. All their kids are coming. Your kids are coming. You've been planning this event. It's all coming together. The party is just about to start, and you get a call from work, and they bring up a problem. And you're like, uh-oh, i got to solve this problem. Your wife looks at you with that look of, you're not doing this again, are you? You're like, no, 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 don't worry, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. And you are at the party. But when the party's over, you realize you spent half your time focused on what needed to happen at work. You were at the party, but you missed it. You missed it. For those of you who like steak, you know what I'm talking about. Steak should be eaten slow with a group of friends that like steak. So you should have four friends around the table. You should get your steak. You should all get a different kind of steak. And no one talks unless they're going to talk about the steak. Right? You're not allowed to say anything other than, oh, man, this is marbled just right. Oh, I love the edges. They're just right. Like, oh, would you like to share a piece of your steak with my piece of steak? That's the only time. Men, that's the only time it's okay to do that is with steak. Right? Yes, you can have a piece of mine. I can have a piece of yours. And what are you? You're, you're just the degree of presence. Like you're totally into the steak. Like, oh, it's so good. It is so good. Have you ever rushed through a steak? I just wasted $41.50. I wasted it. I missed the steak. Simple principle, you cannot be and do everything. You cannot be and do everything. In 1985, commercial Michelob Light, way before many of your times, the commercial literally said, you can have it all. 
Now, there are various commercials that are put at you. There's various voices that come to you that say this over and over and over again. You can have it all. You can have it all. You can be all, and you can get everything done. You just need to work harder. You need to make more sacrifice. You need to focus, and you just need to buy this course for $9.99.99. Right? That's all you need to do, and you can have it all. But you can't. You know you can't. You cannot do, or you cannot be everything, and you cannot do everything. Anything you read in terms of leadership, in terms of, uh, of being able to be effective, tells you you got to focus on something. You have to decide who you are and what you're going to do. You need to focus on that thing and practice that thing. doesn't matter if it's a business. doesn't matter if it's your personal life or if it's a church You've got to know who you are, and you need to focus on that one thing. Otherwise, if you try to be everything and do everything, you're going to miss it all. By the way, there's a little, little parenthesis here. You're going to be hearing about Spirit Day, which is coming up. So it's the week after Labor Day. That's the week that our church invites everybody back who's ever been to Skyline. Come back to Spirit Day. You've been all over the place all summer. You've been watching online. You've been all over the place, right? This one Sunday, we're going to all come together and be together. Set that aside because we're going to start a series called What's Next. And Skyline, like many churches, has been through COVID where uh, the face of our church changed. So many of you are new to Skyline. And you feel like uh, you're kind of on the outside. What is Skyline? What's going on? Others, if you've been to Skyline your whole, for very many years, so many people left and new people come, you kind of feel like, I, 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 who are we? What are we doing? Where are we going? We have an incredible opportunity. And not only that, I, I was gone for a, a good amount of time. That also caused us to go, what, what, what's going on? God is leading us to decide, be able to come together and be able to go, who are we? What does God want us to do? Let's be Skyline. That starts with Spirit Day. Like, whatever it takes, be here with us on, start, on Spirit Day as we get that. We're going to do what, what's next. Then we've got this really cool thing planned for this fall. It's all about us being able to go, ah. We know who we are, and we know what God's called us to do. So, you cannot, you cannot be and do everything. You may feel like, well, I need to be. I need to be. Some of you grew up in homes where you were, as a kid, you were the major caretaker of that home. And it was taught to you over and over and over again, you need to be and do everything. In different voices for different, you went to college, there's different places, you have a boss, there's different places, these voices are telling you, you need to do and be everything. I got great news for you this morning. You are going to love what we talk about today. So let's talk about the person who, if anybody could have been everything and could have done everything, this was the person. His name's Jesus. You ever heard that? Well, you ever heard somebody go, well, I'm not Jesus, right? Well, today what we're going to do is we are going to compare to Jesus. 
Let's find out what Jesus, how Jesus interacted with this. Was Jesus, was he everything to everyone? Did he do it all? Let's, let's find out. Actually, we're going to find out kind of the opposite. The truth is that Jesus was a failure in many people's eyes. Actually, in most people's eyes. Now, be careful. I didn't say Jesus was a failure. I said he was in their eyes. What others expected of him, what others wanted out of him, he didn't deliver. So let's take a look at these different groups and just kind of work through that uh, fairly quickly. In Luke uh, 19, it's ta- it's the, these are talking about the leaders of the day. In Luke 19, it says this, After that, he taught daily in the temple. But the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the other leaders of the people began planning how to kill him. But they, couldn't think of, they could think of nothing because of all the people hung on every word he had said. The leaders of the day, the people who had the voice, the people you would look up to, thought he was dangerous crazy, and leading large groups of people astray. That's what they thought of him. He was also a failure to the crowds. In Mark one thirty-two, it says, That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered uh, at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons who knew he, the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Now, catch this. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went, at, went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. All right. Here's these large crowds. They begin to follow Jesus. He's doing miracles. He's taking care of them. They have needs. He's meeting the needs, right? And he leaves. Can you imagine being the followers of Jesus, one of the 12? You're like, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus, and Jesus is going to take over the Roman He's going to take over the world. He's he's it. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to get next to him. This is going to be great. And it all starts to happen, and he disappears. Now, you've thought this before. You've thought, okay, I am supposed to love people the I'm supposed to love people the way Jesus loves people. Therefore, every need you ever see, you feel guilty because you didn't meet it. Everyone, you can't watch TV anymore. You can't check your phone. There's hurting people on your phone, and you're like. Well, I'm supposed to love him. He does the opposite. He leaves. He says, okay, now I need to go spend time over here. But Jesus replied, we must go on to the other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out many demons. Can you imagine Peter, who thinks he's the, the uh, manager of the group, right? No, Jesus, you don't get it. That's not how you build a crowd. 
You don't get a bunch of people following you and just walk away. No, no, no. That's not how we do it. We were on the edge of success. What, what are you doing? But that's what he did. He was a failure to, the, to his disciples and to his friends. John the Baptist, who was in prison. Now, John the Baptist introduced Jesus to the world. He baptized Jesus and watched the Holy Spirit come and light upon him. And he's like, Jesus, what are you doing? Are you even the one? Listen to this. Heard all about the things the Messiah was doing, so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? You're not, I'm in prison. This is not working out the way I thought it should work out. And what does Jesus do? He leaves him in prison. He says, I am. And he leaves him in prison. Whoa. His family is frustrated with him. As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside. They want to speak to you. Large crowds, mom and dad, mom, mom and the brothers show up. Hey, we should have access to him. I'm mom, right? Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to the disciples and said, look, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father who is in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. I bet his mom loved hearing that. Right? He was consistently a failure and frustration to those around him. Wow. Wow. Just take a second and think about all of the people you think you need to be everything to and do everything for. Not Jesus. If anyone could have been everything and could have done everything, it was Jesus. Now listen to this. He does not live outside of our limits. He lived within them. This is God who became man. And when he became man, he accepted those limits. It's, not, it's hard to realize you've got limits, that we are limited, but we are. Turn to the person next to you and say, I am limited. I heard a couple of you go, I am oh, I was so hard. You can barely get it out. Others of you did great. Those of you who love stars, good job. Good job. Okay. So, we walked through these things, right? It looked like and felt like he was failing to the people he was with. Did he fail? No. He did not. It looked like it, and it felt like it, but he did not fail. He was accomplishing what he came for. He was a failure to them for two reasons. 
He was a failure because he prioritized being present with his father. You see, he made a choice. He realized he was limited. He had to make a choice. And he chose where he would not fail. In this one area, he said, I will not fail. Regardless of the pressure to be everything and do everything, he said, I'm going to make a choice. And I choose to not fail in this one area, which is I'm going to be present with my father. But but despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster. And vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. Now, before I say this next sentence, understand this. Everything that I would dream that Skyline would be is happening. Everything that you would want to be a part of a church for is happening right here. What do you mean? We show up and people get healed. You can look at hurting people and no longer go, yeah, I know you're hurting, but God loves you. I know that's hard to explain, but it's true. None of that. No. I know you're hurting. God loves you. Follow me. We're going to take care of it. That's happening. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. He made a decision. I will not fail at being present with my father. He delighted in his father. He loved being with him. He enjoyed being with his father. Number two, he was a failure because he did what the father asked him to do. He had a really, really simple set of priorities. He was able to know what was right and wrong, what he should do and what he shouldn't do with his time. He was able to give his heart wholeheartedly to one thing, even though there was lots of other things that were possibilities, because he chose where he would not fail. He chose... I'm going to do, it's just just simple. I'm going to do what my father tells me to do. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son of man can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. John 28, 28 goes, goes on. He says, so Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man on the cross, then you will understand I am he. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. So get that picture in your head. Get that picture in your head. Jesus is on the cross. This is very difficult for us. That's the ultimate failure. The most disgusting, humiliating way you could possibly die is on a cross. No one ever looked at somebody on the cross and said, That man's a success. Yet, it was his greatest moment of success. He changed hearts. He made it possible for you and I to enjoy God. At the very moment, it looked like he was a failure to everyone. It looked like he was the opposite 
of doing of being and doing at that very moment he changed the universe you will be a failure to so many people if you make god's presence in your life a priority Let me say it again. You will be a failure to so many people if you make God's presence in your life a priority. You will be a failure to so many people if you do what God asks you to do. Sometimes those who claim to follow Christ had that exact same experience. Jesus had this experience quite often. Peter would come to him and go, Jesus, what are you doing? He would come to him and Jesus, you shouldn't say that to those people. Oh, Jesus, uh, you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus, you're not going to, right? So his own followers would say to him, you don't understand. That's going to happen to you. And let no, not unless, when you choose, I'm going to be, I'm going to enjoy God's presence. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. That's what I'm going to do. You will be a failure at everything except that which is most valuable. Realize, I can't do everything. I can't be everything. You have to choose what you will not fail at. You have to make a choice. You personally have to make a choice. You're like, I'm going to choose what I'm going to succeed at. Let's start here. Let's choose one or two things you will not fail at. I'm going to make a choice. Now, for many of you, this is going to take faith. Why? You've never actually seen what it's like to enjoy God. Again, you believe in God. You've fought with God. You've fought for God. You've stood up for what is right. But you've never seen what it's like to enjoy God. Not for long stretches of time. Not through hard circumstances. And so, this, this is a step of faith to be able to say, okay, I'm going to do it. I am going to choose what I'm not going to fail at. So, we got some homework for you to do. And this is what I'd like you to do. Take out your schedule. And you, uh, some of you go, I don't have a schedule. You have a schedule in your mind, right? Pull out your schedule, Right? Others of you, wow, what a schedule. Uh, you pull that baby out, right, and ask yourself this question. What in your life have you already decided I will not fail at? You have it. You may never have spoken it out loud. You may have never actually written those words down, but it's on your schedule. It's the way you interact with your schedule. For some of you, it's the gym. You're like, I will not fail. Right? So it's on your schedule, and then something breaks your schedule, and fortunately, you go to a 24-hour gym. It's midnight. You're, 
you're at the gym because you will not fail. Others of you, it's your career. You've made a decision. I will not fail. So at all costs, whenever things happen, you always choose to not fail at that issue, and you make that decision, and away you go. What would it be like What would it be like for you to say, or what do you need to fail at in order to present with God, to be present with God consistently? What do you need to fail at in order to be present with God consistently? What has to come off the schedule? Why does something have to come off? Because... This is not something you just add, 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 add to. This is not something that you come here, you learn this principle, you go, oh, another principle. I'm going to do that. I'm going to strive for it. I'm away we go. No, this is a put off, put on. You have to deny something. You have to fail at something to make sure you don't fail at this one thing. And secondly, what do you need to fail at in order to do what God has asked you to do. Throughout the Bible, you see different characters who have the ability to have incredible joy in really tough circumstances. Paul was one of those guys. How did he do that? How did he delight in God? He gets whipped, thrown into prison, and he's singing. How does he do that? Because he chose some things he wouldn't fail at. One was his present, that presence with God. And the second was, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. This week, take your homework and enjoy it. Do not add, subtract, and then add. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know us. You know how... how we, we're just driven by this fear of missing out. You know how that we're trying to be everything. And we're trying to do everything. And God, we actually, we, we, we think you expect it. You, we oftentimes think you've called us to it. But today, Jesus, we have seen the opposite is true. You didn't do that. You made a choice. So first of all, thank you. Thank you for taking that weight off of our shoulders. But Jesus, the second part's a little scary. We're so used to that fear of missing out that we're afraid that if we just say no to other things so we can say yes to you, we're going to miss out. Lord, would you help us today and this week to enjoy our portion, to trust our portion,
to sit with you and talk to you and hear from you. In your name we pray. Amen.